I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. I'm Dr. Redmond. And uh, well, we're done. <laughs> Can't say we're not done. Uh, oh my god. Again, you know we're going it's this is gonna be the shortest podcast ever. <laughs> well, I mean it's not there, there's some to say. I'm not going to pretend there's not some stuff to say, but your sarcastic comment there is dead on. <laughs> I legit, like, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I couldn't believe how bad this episode was. Like, they got, they got Robbie Coltrane to fly from England for this. Okay. That seems a little crazy, right? Yes, his accent only slipped once. Uh, yeah, but it's not a great accent to start with. But well, uh, yes, but we've already we we we've flogged that horse. Yeah, we're not <laughs> going to get back into that one here. You know uh, what's funny here? Let, let me just what's funny on Waking Dead when Please. they need an American, yeah. they get an American. Yeah, they had they had Michelle Forbes on once. Oh, nice. Yeah, she was in about four episodes. She was. Yeah, that's cool. A, yeah, and uh, but the thing here is not that they needed an American; they needed Robbie Coltrane, and they decided to cast him as an American. Yeah, which I think was a mistake. They should have oh, just clearly. made him he, yeah, just make him British. It's fine. Yeah, doesn't doesn't hurt anything if you make this character British. No. Oh. <laughs> Okay, okay, so, so yeah, let's just start at the start. Uh, so, so this is the Polanski case. This is the Polanski case, you know. Except uh, that, except that she dies in this, and she didn't die in the Polanski case. Exactly, and yeah, it's uh, it's about Hollywood. It's about how Hollywood uh, devours people. You know, uh, the difference here, of course, is that the Roman Polanski character instead of being an actor, was a child star himself who, you know, as we yeah. say, comes by his perversion honestly. Meaning that he was, you know, horribly abused as a child himself. Well, yes, and he was a survivor. So. Yeah. But uh, watching it, you're like, I don't, I don't know what point they're trying to make. Well, no, they didn't make the points that they had to make, which was that that this guy is still like the only the only time that you can see that Robbie Coltrane's character is upset yeah. is the, the morning sort of after. Yeah. And it's not as if he hasn't been doing all sorts of things and he's been justifying. So he justifies the behavior. Oh, yeah. The way all do. Well, this is just Hollywood and the mothers throw them at us. And, mm -hmm. um but no, it's not strong. The ending was just god awful. Oh, it's it's among the worst endings we've had on this I, show. I have I have never seen anything. Fitz's father shows up. Apparently, Fitz was raised in the military. Well, um, no. Uh, if it's the American, like the British military, it it's a slightly different sort of situation. And we've already seen, we've already covered some of those things with oh, yeah. the regular. Um, the American. And it is to some extent, but the American situation means that he would be moving all the time. Yeah. You never had any sense whatsoever that that 
that Fitz grew up moving from place to place and no, that does not um, feel like this character. To, no, you have to set this up. Jim Morrison, on the other hand, yeah, okay. <laughs> he had to move from place to place. I mean, it is possible. I mean, I guess it is possible that he was just like uh, a guy who was in the military and worked at a place in New and like no, that's worked not the way at a place in New Jersey and just worked there. I mean, it can happen that you, you know, don't move around a lot. It doesn't happen much. But it can happen that you just like, well, I work at Fort Dix, and I'm always going to work at Fort Dix. You yeah, know, like no, that, that it can happened. happen. But you see, but that happens kind of usually later. Yeah. Like this man is old enough that he was he was he was in, a young guy when he had fits. Yeah, and he would have he would have been a young guy when he entered. He would have, um, you know, raised. He would have gotten married and raised his kids when he was young. Not that we know that Fitz has a brother in this because he yeah, we, it's never established in this that Fitz had any other family. The relationship with Fitz and his father is a pain in the butt. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it doesn't, the, the, the characters, I just, the end, why they called it Faustian Fitz. If it was Faustian Fitz, then guess what? Then he should have. In any way been tempted or? Yeah, he should have. Yes, he should have been tempted. Taken, made some kind of a deal. They should have done anything with this relationship between him and David Roberge, which is the name that uh, the Robbie Coltrane character has. Uh, yeah, like I. Well, okay. So just to to circle back to the plot briefly, then we'll we'll talk about Fitz's dad stuff, which is deeply uninteresting. <laughs> So's the plot. Well, yeah. But, uh, so yeah, there's a party at this guy's house. This woman brings her 15-year-old daughter to uh, seduce David Roberge in the hope that he can find her work, which is, of course, just how he operates. And he mm -hmm. would easily be able to do. Uh, and the next day, she is found drowned in a pond. Uh, a koi pond. Yeah, in a koi pond on his property. And... So then Fitz uh, has, you know, decided to stop working with the police department because of, you know, the trauma over. Because we've seen him at uh, the wake they yeah. had for Hannah, you know, being upset and getting too drunk at the wake, which is, you know, we, we get it. We completely well, believe. I believe Fitz would do that. I, I think oh, 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 100%. yes. No, no, that, that, that's perfectly that's normal. Completely believable. But the problem is Fitz gets drunk at every. Well, at every, Yes. He also gets drunk at every other function. You're absolutely right. Yes. Uh, but anyway, so Fitz gets drunk at the wake. And we see that. And the next day, you know, he's uh, angry about the cops and talking about how, you know, uh, you know, their, how they would call him to deal with this situation with David Roberge. But they don't. Uh, David Roberge calls to hire Fitz in, and I'm just going to say it, I have no idea why. No, and it's Fitz. Fit, fit, I mean, monks, monks, the kind Stanley Camel, uh, Stanley yes. Camel, who we loved as monk psychiatrist, who is yeah. just one of the great, like, a fantastic character actor. I mean, I think I, I would argue that Monk never survived losing him. No, like the show. I, I don't think the the show's well, like he died though. I know. So. Well, no, I know. I'm not saying it was their fault. I'm not saying they fired him or something. I'm just saying. No. Like, as much as I love, oh, God, um, I'm blanking on his name. Who played Dr. Uh, Bell? Who is it? 
I can remember who it is. It's funny, eh? Yes, Um, this is so embarrassing for me. It's not Ferrer. No, it's not, uh, not, uh, yes. Not Jose Ferrer. Anyway, it's not Miguel Ferrer. It's, um, anyway, but the point is, we all know who played Dr. Bell. Uh, we just are blanking at the name for no reason. Um, He is, uh, and it's not that he's bad. It's just, but Monk's relationship with his first doctor is just such an integral part of the show that, like, they they lost that relationship and they weren't able to get it back with Dr. Bell. And I just, I really think the show was hurt by losing that. And it's great seeing him here. And it, of course, brings to mind what he had done the year before this, which was played the, uh, which was that he played the evil psychiatrist on Murder One. Yes. Oh, he was so good on that. Yeah. He was so delightful, which is, I'm sure, why he was hired for this job, because here he's playing the lawyer of the guy who murdered a teenager, rather than the doctor, of the psychiatrist, of the guy who murdered a teenager. <laughs> or helped cover up the murder of a teenager for an incredibly convoluted set of reasons. By the time you got to the last episode of Murder One, it was really hard to explain what was going on on that show. I'm not saying we didn't love Murder One. We loved Murder One. That first season was an incredible season of television. But it's also hard to, like, explain what happened in Murder One in a couple of sentences. So we're not going to bother. No, no. He was great. This episode has very little to offer. It does. Because it doesn't doesn't do, um, it doesn't do justice to the subject matter. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, so he calls up Fitz and says, I want to hire you. Here's $25,000 to profile me and uh, help solve this crime and figure out, uh, you know, essentially figure out why, uh, like who actually did this. Now, here's the problem. Uh, David Roberge knows that he's responsible for this girl's death. I have no reason to believe that he's, uh, lying. When she says, he says her death was an accident. Like, he does not seem, and I, but I cannot tell you for the life of me why he thought hiring Fitz was a good idea. Like, who, whose idea was this? Why did they think it was a good thing to do? Why do they think this would accomplish anything? Like, it just doesn't make, like, the whole underlying premise of this episode makes no sense to me. I agree. Yeah, like, what are they supposed, why would you hire a police psychologist to tell the police, you know, from a profiling standpoint, he probably didn't do it? Okay, but I mean, that's not evidence. But you're calling, but you're calling in a profiler who is considered the best in the country or whatever. Yeah. and, And then you want him to profile you. Well, but you did it, and if he's that good, what is this? I suspect that they're trying to create create Robbie Coltrane as some kind of an egomaniac who thinks he can beat Fitz at this game. And that is in no way what, I mean, maybe that's what they had in mind. That's not what he plays it as, and that's not what comes across. No, I I mean, that, but that's the only rationale you could come up with. For and it's 25000 25000 he offered him $75,000. Yeah. Well, no, more perhaps because he says, I'll give you, 
$25,000 today, $25,000 when the case is resolved. And if it takes months, $25,000, a new $25,000 check every month. So oh, he offered, right. yeah. So he offered him, you know, a huge amount of money. And I don't know for what. <laughs> Cause he's not, it's not like he's asking Fitz to investigate the case. You know? Well, you know, they might not have brought Robbie Coltrane over. Robbie Coltrane might have actually been in the country. Yes, maybe he was already in the country doing another yes. job. What, when, when did the Harry Potter thing oh, start? Oh, God, no, not for another uh, three years. Oh, it's another three years. So, three But he might have been in the country and they thought... Oh, yeah, well, let's just have him do this. Yeah, but it, honestly, it is, maybe. It, is, it doesn't make any sense because what this needs to be is an episode of Columbo. Oh, yeah, that's that's way more... Because it has all of the hallmarks of Columbo, which yes. is a rich dude trying to cover up his crime, and Columbo just hanging out. Yeah. You know, hanging out and noticing little things. Whereas here, uh, he barely goes by David Roberge's place. He's not at all involved in Roberge framing a dude. We don't get a scene of him interrogating the dude that David Roberge or his lawyer framed. Like... Yeah, it's all it. It worked as a procedural. Yeah, so, and, then, and, and then David okay. Robert just gives this really trite little speech about you know what it's like being a child star, and then Fitz is like, "Well, now I know why you threw her in the koi pond," and that's the end of the episode. Or that part of the plot. Well, no. Okay, there's one more scene with Fitz's dad. You know, I mean, Okay, what and what happens, right? What happens is that, of course, Fitz, that turns, you know, the cops, somehow, how can you work for this guy? It's the uh, coroner yeah. who he play, plays uh, one of these positive roles. He, he plays the, I believe, in Fitz part that Ken Halligan did. Would have done, yeah. Except Would've they've done. killed her off. Well, yeah. they've killed her off, and she never was supportive of him. No. As it was never clear, whereas Penn Halligan was kind of, you know... As um, messed up as their relationship might have been, she was, in fact, supportive of his talents. Of his talents, and um, and his ability to close cases, etc. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. you just had to believe him as opposed to um, dismissing whatever he said, even if he didn't like it. Whereas this is a police procedural and Fitz is kind of hanging around and then Fitz, uh, gets him to admit the situation. And, um, it's really stupid. Uh, he, because Fitz is wearing a wire. David Roberge tells the store, tells the story of what happened. But Fitz, yeah. when he walked in, said, I'm no longer working for you. Here's your money back. I can't do No, this. he never says, here's your money back. Oh, no, that's right. He, he, he keeps the money. He's not an idiot. He did the job. Yeah, he did the he job. He just says, I quit and I'm no longer on the clock. But he yeah, did, so you know, what was required in his retainer. Yes, and therefore... Yeah. Therefore, um, anything that Robbie... That, excuse me, David Brobert says after that is saying not covered by uh not covered by therapist confidentiality at all that said david robert's never hired him as a therapist you know? no so it's not like I he actually 
has to do any of this. Well, no, he he did he did kind of say, well, and, and you know, I want you to profile me. And... Exactly, but that's not and that's not yeah. hiring someone to be your therapist. He's been uh, hired. He literally is explicitly hired to solve the crime. Yes, and he does solve the crime. But and um, that's my point. Like he can actually say, "I want my twenty-five grand because I solved the crime. You did it, and you just confessed, and now I'm going to the cops." Like I watched that scene where David Robert hires him. He doesn't even demand confidentiality of any kind. No, and his lawyer is thinks it's an asinine. Exactly because asinine he's putting himself in a vulnerable position, which is exactly how he gets caught. Yeah, and like, it's it's a weird ending scene because it's like ah, but now I'm technically no longer working for you, so I can be working for the cops. Well, if you're working for the cops, then you have issues of interrogating a man without a lawyer. Do you not do you not understand the problem there? Oh yeah, and no, no, none of it makes any sense whatsoever. Like, it's it's much more logical to say, look, yeah. you hired me to find out who the killer uh, is. It's you. You just confessed. I'd like my other $25,000 now, please. That's what you should have had Fitz say. Except the, because uh, again, the show doesn't even realize that he never said this, any of this was confidential. And as, but they did have the lawyer say this is a bad idea because none of it's confidential. Well, and plus the idea, plus the idea is that at this point already, by the end of the early 2000s, the end of the 90s. Yeah. No, he's got it. He's got it. I mean, this guy's going to get off. Oh, probably. On technicalities, on technicalities because Fitz didn't tell him that. You know, oh, yeah. uh, I could just, I can just see the lawsuit, the high-powered lawsuit, the, all the money. Oh yeah, and absolutely. Come through here, and it's going to be a wash, like OJ was a wash. Exactly. Like so, I'm sure he will not go to jail for the thing he did. In a no, Roman Polanski type of way. Yeah. We, well, the whole thing, the story that it was an accident um, is going to play large. Plus, Fitz didn't have been working for him. And oh, yeah. He, he has no credibility on the stand. Like, no, Fitz he, will not hold up on the stand. No, because like, he just couldn't. He's going to get ripped apart. Yeah. And, and he's such a mess. And he can't stop from, you know, yelling at people and trying to prove he's smarter than people. He would not be good on the stand. So it, yeah, it's going to be some kind of a wash. Oh, um, yeah, completely. So that that's that. I mean, it was just useless. I mean, it was a useless episode on a topic that is, you know, I mean, it's an it, it's an interesting and important topic, and absolutely, it's you know, but it it is, you know, post OJ, but pre Me Too. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the Freddie. This is also brings up. Old Freddie, whatever his name is, Who? Arbuckle, from way back. Oh, when. Fatty Arbuckle. Fatty, I yes. Keep him yes, but we don't need to talk about that. We've talked about that before too. Fascinating case. Dudu was framed yeah. for a crime that basically didn't happen. Yeah. So what happens? So what happens here is that's a wash. So then we get to the whole business with the father and the father. Um, you know, and and. Uh, why call it Faustian Fitz? The, but the father is there, and the father says, "Well, it's he like, why would you call it Faustian Fitz if he never makes, uh, never really makes never a deal, makes with, a the deal with the devil, and is never even tempted to?" 
Yeah, you know, I mean, this is this it's is not like it's not like David Robert offers him more money to keep his mouth shut after he's figured it out. Yeah, that at least would have, you know, <laughs> opened up the possibility of a deal with the devil. That never even happens. It never happens. And after all, Faust did make the deal with the devil. Also, can I just point out? Yeah. Uh, worst koi pond in the world? <laughs> it's like it's like a square that's three feet wide on either side. I'm like, there's no this room for freedom? them to swim. This is freedom for them? Like, this he's a super rich dude. Why is there not a giant pond there? With all these rocks and everything else. Yeah, like, and a waterfall and a place to, and a bridge to feed them from. I've seen nice koi ponds. This yeah. is like a bucket. Basically, the koi are living in a bucket that just happens to be concrete and set in the ground. Like, they find, couldn't they find a decent koi pond? Somewhere know. in Los Angeles to film that? Like, come on. <laughs> we already spent money for the mansion he lives in, so we just built a koi pond on the mansion. But they wouldn't let us really build a koi pond, so we just, sunk a concrete square in the ground it was weird i'm just it saying was, the terribleness weird. of that koi pond was one of the many weird things about this terrible episode of television yes. you know so um and then it it is but we have to get we have to deal i can't even what what was the point of his father coming I, right it, it tied in in no way to the plot yeah. of the episode yeah, you know, Fitz is yelling at his father, and I didn't see where his father was being such an asshole that what? the wife couldn't stand him. I know. The couldn't stand him. I mean, he was interacting with the children. Just fine. And and it seemed to have been fine. Yeah, he offered he offered his grandson a hundred bucks to build a mural. Yeah. Like, I thought it was strange that you have this infant in there. What do you mean there are no mobiles and there's, this was a sterile room? I just, yeah, it was so That's weird when she's like, uh, mobiles are for infants. This baby is too young to need anything to look at. I'm like, this is like a nine month old kid. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand it. It's just a weird it, reaction for her to it have. Was a, yes, it was a weird reaction for Judith to have. Yeah. And then he offers the kid a hundred bucks and then another hundred bucks when it's finished. Yeah. Uh, to do the, to do this, um, I suppose. That's supposed to be the comparison to to do the mural, but that's not a comparison. And no. he had wanted one thing, and but the son did something else, and he was fine with it. And the grandfather looked at it. Yes, I guess that is a sort of a star. majestic to see the open sky. Yeah, which you know? it is. Yeah, that's fine. So that was fine, right? And uh, we never get to see it, of course, because that would have cost too much money. Well, we see little bits of it. We see enough of it. Like we see, like uh, we see that there are clouds and stars. So there you go. Like we don't see a full panorama of the ceiling, but we do see that there are clouds and stars in the sky. Which is, it's. I mean, it's. It looks like the kid did a nice job. Yeah, I'll and say then, that. yeah, and you know, and so then I'm, and here's here's the other thing that got to me. Okay, so then the guy owes him another hundred bucks, right? His yeah. grandfather owes him another hundred bucks. And then he says, oh, I don't have any cash on me. Will you take a check? And then the daughter looks at the son with that knowing look. Yeah. And those of us who have seen the original Fitz yeah. knows that this was what, when he needed to pay a cab, when he needed more drinking yeah, exactly. Money, it's what he always he said. Would his, he would go to his kids. Yep. 
you know, and because like if the cabbie didn't, so he'd go to his daughter, I'll give you a check, you know, if have you got any money so I can I pay know. the cabbie, right? Because the cabbie won't take checks, right? But like, this fish has never done that. No, that's a nod to that. Except that Misfits never did that, so it doesn't play at all. It doesn't play. It only plays if you've watched the original Fitz. Yeah. So, and I would, you know, 100%, 99% of people have who watched this didn't watch the original Fitz. Yeah. You know, so you're just going, why did you do this? Like, like it doesn't make any sense. Um, and then the father, you know, leaves, tells Fitz that he's uh, thinking of getting married again Yeah. Um, to a 38-year-old woman and she wants children. So I thought I would come by and see whether what it was I was like being around a newborn. Okay. And around children and Gen- the newborn. And then Fitz and Judith go, you know, and so Judith says, well, I wonder why he came in. Fitz make some comment about well i guess success he won't be having any more kids well we know that he's in the in the cab going smiling and going yeah well i guess i'm going to become a father again yeah like why would you think he wouldn't have any more kids when he had a perfectly pleasant interaction with With your kids and had no trouble whatsoever he had no trouble with the baby it's you and judith who were creating all the mess yeah so, you know, and then Fitz doesn't doesn't even glom onto that at all. I mean, this is a Fitz who has absolutely no credibility. Plus, he didn't make the Faustian bargain. He turned it down. So no, he, he didn't, didn't even have a chance to turn it down because nothing was offered to him. Well, I think, no, no, I think that the script intends that initial offer to be the offer. Except that, that he doesn't go... No, for it to be the offer, he would have to know David Roberge was the killer. Well, yes. And he well, knows, I mean, to be fair, he knows David Roberge oh, doesn't oh, profile oh, a like a murderer. Wait a sec, though. At the very beginning, when he sees it on TV, he says he's the killer. Yeah, but then he interviews him and finds out he profiles not as a killer and is fine with it because it was, in fact, an accident. Yeah. So I'm just saying, uh, well, no, he, his, but his thing is, he assumes, oh, uh, death at a rich person house. I assume I'm going to, you know, it's like, I'll get called in to prove that he did. And he's assuming he did it because it's a death at a rich person house. That's the same, that's a safe thing to assume. But it's not like when he goes to see him, it seems like for it to be a deal with the devil, he would have to think he was doing something bad by accepting the money. And he clearly doesn't think that. See what I'm saying? No, no, I know what you're saying. It doesn't matter. It was a wash. They did not go back and read the the Mistopheles Faustian yeah. story. Um, they yeah. clearly don't understand what making a deal with the devil means. Let, well, let's... I mean, for a for, to make a deal with the devil, the devil has to have something you want. And like this twenty five thousand dollars, we get a joke about you can you know bet as much as you want with this twenty five thousand dollars, but fundamentally. This is a Fitz who doesn't seem like he's, you know, hurting for cash. Ever. Ever. Although, I mean, you can uh, factor that into the fact that it is, like, taboo to ever talk about money on American television for some reason. (laughs) 
Well, yes, because the homeless are homeless because they want to be homeless. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like they've, this, there's this weird thing on American television either. where you can never well, talk about how much money characters make. Like, it's the American dream thing, right? Yeah. Well, no, also, but they want people to be relatable. So they never talk about, like, uh, I remember watching in this episode of um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and you got this character as a detective, and he's losing his apartment because he's bad with money. And it's like, at and at no point right, uh, do they mention, well, he's a detective. He's been a detective for 10 years in the NYPD. He's making, like, $120,000 a year. And you've got this other guy who... Like, he's always complaining how he doesn't have enough money for his kids. And I'm like, yeah, but you've been an NYPD officer for over 20 years. You can take a retirement and get a full pension and then go get another job, which is what all cops do. Like, and the show just doesn't, like, acknowledge or accept that in a weird way. Like, what cops do is they put in their 20 years, they get a full pension, and then they keep basically getting most of a full paycheck for having used to be a cop. And then they go and they get another job and they get two sources of income. But it's like, it doesn't acknowledge that that's an option. Well, let me put it this way. Yeah. How does Monk live the way he lives? Inherited a bunch of money when his wife died. 100%. Uh, I, I think she, I think her family had money to start with. I have always assumed that her family had money to start with and uh, not, a, not a huge amount. Right. But enough. And uh, and then, yeah, when your wife, who's a reporter, gets killed in a car bombing, uh, the, the insurance plays out pretty well, I would have to assume. Yes, but he never has any money. Well, no, because he lives in San Francisco. Like, it's expensive to rent that place. He logically should, you know, move out of San Francisco and buy a place, but he can't live the leave the expensive apartment his wife. Right, the expense of his oh, yes, apartment, he and his wife. So, like all of his money, I assume, is sitting in an annuity that pays him out every month. But like that is all goes to renting this place in San in downtown San Francisco. And all I'm saying is, we've got assumptions here. I know, but I'm saying that's that's how I. You asked me how Monk lives. That's how Monk lives. Because the thing is, he's always broke, but he's living in an expensive apartment in downtown San Francisco. And I'm like, well, yeah. So he's got to have a source of income more than his occasional jobs for the police department. Yeah, anyway. But anyway, never, that's, that's Monk, which is, by the way, just a delightful show. Watch Monk, everybody. Yeah, it's fun. And the, of course, Sharona was was oh, worth, it, worth it. I mean, What's-Her-Face, who replaced Sharona, yeah. was okay. but She's fine, but we missed Sharona. Yes. And, I mean, in this day and age, I think they would have just, like, the problem is... I mean, it's this thorny issue because she was as important for the show's success as he was, but he's a famous actor, and that's why he's getting paid a lot more than she is. Yeah. And, I mean, I hate to say it, but they were able to... The the fact that they were able to do the show without her mm -hmm. for more seasons than she was in does yeah. prove that he was the integral one to the show. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. I No, no, I have no... Yeah. No about like the fact that he is right it's just that when you look at the two um it's very yeah. interesting no, it's it, the, it's a completely different dynamic and it was a more interesting dynamic when it was Sharon. 
Yes, because this one, this one, when she complains about money, all you keep doing is seeing her rich parents. Well, yes, that's another. <laughs> you know, her parents are god-awful rich. Yep. It is frustrating. She lives, she lives in a, you know, well, it's okay. Yeah. It's it's not a nice nice enough place, but oh yeah, but you know, oh, compared mean, to mind, we we're getting we're see, talking about monk because there's so little to talk about in this episode. This episode is a wash. It's useless. We're not even going to try and rewrite it and say that you could get because it would take too well, long. I mean, you'd have and to like. Thought, I mean, you'd you have to do, do an entire episode. First off, you have to cut all the stuff with his dad that has nothing to do with the main plot, right? So you have to cut. Every scene with his dad has to be just, you know, lifted out of the episode. Right? Just completely. Just cut all of that stuff. Then you have to, like, have, you know, five scenes with him and David Roberge, right? Talking about David Roberge, talking about his backstory, talking about, you know, what he sees in Fitz and what Fitz, uh, Fitz sees in him and how, like, He's so racked with guilt, he brought someone here to guarantee he would have to punish with it because everyone's covered for him his whole life because he's rich. And yeah. it's like the real reason. It, like, you could create a relationship between him and this David Roberge that was interesting, right? And would make it difficult. And it's like, and make Fitz care about him. Yeah. And make it difficult. And like, and so when he realizes that Fitz, you know, knows that he did it instead of this trite cliche thing, he could ask Fitz to just stay on and accept all of this money to be his, you know, counselor or whatever. Therapist or whatever. Yeah, therapist, counselor, whatever you want to call it, right? There, there's ways to write this that it would have been oh, an okay yeah. episode. But, okay, yes. That, now you're telling our, our audience how, yes, that this is what I meant when yeah. this could have, this is an important, you know, this could have been an important episode. This oh, could have been an important topic. And the very fact that it's not is just, it makes it a wash, the whole thing that, yes, you could do it, but they never mind. They failed to do it. They failed to do it like they did in so many others. Like yeah, last well, and that's the problem. Like, is like, it's, it should have been so much better than it was. And we've learned over and over again that this this show doesn't know how to make the interesting choice. Not even the hard choice, necessarily. Just the interesting choice. They don't understand how to dig into these characters in an interesting way. Because for this to be Faustian Fitz, you have to have him be tempted. Yeah, and he's never and tempted. never really get the sense that he's tempted. No. The minute he realizes that, yeah, this he did it, then he's, you know, with the police. And yeah. Then he immediately and, off camera goes to the police and says, I'll entrap this guy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and we just don't see that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and it's it's frustrating, right? It's Very. frustrating to watch because you're like, oh, I mean, you've got the two Fitzes sitting next to each other. Right? You could have, like, you could have done something interesting with that if you were capable of writing the kind of dialogue and character you need to write. And the the truth of this show over and over again is they just they just don't have it. They just don't have the ability to write that. And that's unbelievably frustrating to me. Well no, it is. I, I, I don't 
I was very frustrated. I wanted it to be better than it was. I wanted, I, 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 again, when I sit here and say, look, I could have written this better. Oh yeah. And I'm, and as I, as we all know, I do not consider myself any way, shape or form a screenwriter. Yeah. But you could have fixed this. I could have fixed this. I mean, this would not have even, again, we're not going to do the whole rewrite, but we've hinted at like the ways this could have been a lot better. And like, it wouldn't even be that difficult. The problem is they just didn't do it. They just didn't do it. And again, I don't understand what they thought they were doing. That's the part that baffled me most. What did you think you were doing? Well, if yeah. I could ask them one thing with the father storyline. Yeah. Well, I do think that they're that they somehow or another want to think that the the this man is tempting because he's he makes some statements about how the his grandson doesn't have any work ethic or whatever, yeah, or like has no ambition has no ambition and the guy says he wants to be an artist but the even that conversation and and the, the, so the grandfather's response is okay so here i'll pay you a hundred bucks to create a mural you want to yeah. be an artist here's a hundred bucks and it turns out he's great at art it turns out he was great at art so the grandfather's like going okay well i guess i, I guess go for it i mean <laughs> say that but like I think they wanted to somehow or another create that as a parallel, but it's not. It doesn't feel that way. Because at it's all. the grandfather. It's the grandfather who learns the lesson. Yeah. That that there's more to life than whatever. Than, you know, blind patriotism and lording your position over people. Yes, and that's when he got in the car. Yeah. And and, he and when he smiling. sees this beautiful thing the son did, he realizes, oh, okay, so you know, if you're, you can be a different kind of dad and have a decent relationship and it makes him think, oh, okay, I guess I have another kid. Yeah. Because she wants it and he wants to marry her. Yeah. Like it's, it's a very weird, you know, yeah, so how they're not that... able to tie it. Yeah. And you're right. How does that tie in with the themes and plot of the episode? And the answer is, you don't even understand. Yeah. You don't even understand why Fitz and his wife are so pissed off at this man. I know. They fail to make him seem awful at all. You know, there, I mean, Judith comes off as she, really awful. I know. She's like, he can't be here. I'm like, why though? Why? We have no faces. Yeah. It's not like we hear any awful stories about him, except that he was, you know, a martinet who bossed his uh, son around. I'm like, yeah, like all military dads. Because it's the, the craziest part is he gives this little speech about how it's like, uh, how much he hates the military and authority mm -hmm. figures. And I'm like, I mean, do you though? That really hasn't shown up for you as a character in the show. You can extrapolate and say, well, the way he's such a dick to the people in the police department is because he has this problem with authority because of his dad. And that would be nice, except you're that way with everybody all the time, <laughs> whether they're an authority figure or not. You know, so you see your wife as an authority I, I guess that seems children as authority figures. I, I okay. <laughs> seems like a stretch, but okay. I care. That's now what the episode is trying to tell us. If we knew, we oh. would said so. Yeah, I know, and that's that's the oh. thing about this episode. It's just it doesn't. Nothing tracks. <laughs> nothing well, tracks. Nothing are... themes. Uh, nothing you know. Nothing tracks. Nothing lands. 
oh, it's just a frustratingly bad episode. So let's let's do the the yeah. Let's uh, talk about the show as a whole. As a whole, okay. We it's now understand number yeah. one. We now understand why it was canceled. Oh God, yeah. It, it's weird that a sh- to to see a show manage to have this strange thing in the mo like in the middle where it's like we got three really interesting episodes that suggested that oh they have a handle on this they understand what yeah. they're doing now and then it all falls apart again. <laughs> well, the, the the only way to figure that one out is to figure out who yeah, was in the writing yeah, room. Who was in? Okay, yeah. Like, did someone who wrote those episodes did? Some unusually talented people briefly work on the show to try and save it, and then they left and they went back to their own thing. Who the hell knows? Yeah. Oh. So you know, I mean, that's basically the problem, and um, it it is they did not conceive of it properly in terms of setting up these characters, and that's where you lose you lose people at the beginning, and if people had stuck around like we did and gotten to the really serviceable and good. No, I mean, yeah, actually good episodes. And we don't have to to pretend that we're better than the good episode. There were legitimately good episodes on this show. Yeah. And, and those good episodes showed that they were, yes, creating a different character for Fitz, but it didn't matter because it was working. Yep. And, you know, and that they had a different way of looking at things, which was the victims as opposed to the killers. Mm-hmm. But that was okay, too, because it's that pretty, was... It's pretty standard for television, but we're not going to say, oh, well, you have to be completely original and unlike any other TV show. We're not going to ask them to no, do no, that. that was the original Cracker, so... Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you don't have to be the original Cracker. It's okay to be your own yeah. show, as long as you understand what was important. It was the character fix the fits the focus on psychology. Then you can still have the show, you know. Yeah. And so, so there you go. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, as you say, what went wrong, but it's a train wreck for the most part. Yeah. And um, that's all you can say, you know, dumpster fire. Well, and so but much of it goes down, up, right? <laughs> I little... mean, we've talked about this a bunch, but so much of it goes down to you can't start the show with true romance. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many different episodes you could have made the first episode. It would have been fine. This was just like the worst episode you could have picked because it they had. And again, we've talked about it before. They spent the whole season trying to dig themselves out of a hole that they just shouldn't have dug in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it's insane to me that they sat down and they that no one said to them. I mean, let's say you really loved the the episode True Romance. I think you listen to us. We talked about it on the show. It's a. It's an episode with some problems, but it's not Abbott's worst worst episode, right? It's an episode with some problems, but it's not a... Well, maybe it might be his worst episode. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that another time when we get into what happened with Lucky White Ghost, right? We can take... We can talk about that off the show sometime. Uh, the point is, like, it's it's not a terrible episode, but we have a lot of problems with it. But who looks at that episode, which is, to its credit... 100% can only be read as the last episode of the show and said, okay, this is where we should start our show. I have no idea. And we will get that in never, I don't know where you get, how you get there. That's yeah. the problem. Usually 
when we're doing criminal minds, for example. We understand the, the, the reasoning and the line of thought that gets them places. Yeah. You know, often we can figure it out or as with um, the beyond borders, we just don't even want to figure it out. Um, well, no, I mean, it's clear where that came from. Yeah. Uh, ridiculous American exceptionalism and jingoism. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you if know. you Okay. It's like everyone sat down in a room and said, okay, well, how can we say that America is perfect this week and everyone else is dumb this week? You know, it wasn't yeah, a subtle yeah. show. It wasn't a subtle or complex show. No, it, it wasn't. was all about how everyone is dumb but Americans, and everyone is backward but Americans. Yes. Uh, but yeah, like we even understood it. Whereas here, like, how do you sit down in planning this show and watch the episode True Romance, the last episode of the show that puts the nail in the coffin of these relationships, right? Yeah. Of all of these relationships, yeah. and say, yeah. That's where we're going to start our show. <laughs> don't understand it. I don't, I don't, I don't, particularly since they did the pilot as the second. Not second episode. But the third after. episode. Yeah, the third episode. Right? It's a perfectly good pilot. Yes, it was a perfectly good pilot. They could have set everything up. Um, yeah. Julie wouldn't have had this baby already. Um, so the, and then they, then they throw in a fourth child. I mean, I'm going it's as insane. you say, Irish twins. Give me a break because they thought that was. I don't know. I don't I know. know. What's bonkers that. is again, and like we said last week, the crazy part is, okay, you were obsessed with doing true romance for whatever reason. Remove any lines about him having slept with um, Tyler. Remove the conversation they have about. Uh, at the end about would you die for me yeah. and remove the baby yeah. and boom that's, that's all you had to do but you they know? left and scenes. hey with that extra scene put in a scene about him you know ruining the family with his gambling and show him at the dog track yep. or the horse or the racing track like just do something do something do anything to not box yourself in to this you know situation where you have nowhere to go with the characters and that's the problem they left themselves with nowhere to go with the characters in the first episode so and they could never they could never get out of that it's deeply frustrating so now to, to think about something interesting and i just want to like put this show in context because it is really interesting because we were talking the other day I mean, who the hell knows which episode it is. And it's not like we you know, keep track of these. Uh, but about how, in many ways, Robbie Coltrane's Cracker formed the template for the quote-unquote problematic man arc of television writing that formed the basis for what would become, the, the kicking off point of what would become the golden age of television. And that is the three key shows divining that first step of the golden age of television that we're living in, which is The Sopranos, uh, Mad Men, and Breaking Bad. Which are all these shows about a dude who is a, a dirtbag who isn't con in control of himself, but is good at his job. And we talk about how it's interesting, right? Because in many ways fits the character like fits perfectly 
into that mold. Like, you could put Fitz in next to Don Draper and Walter White and Tony Soprano, and yeah, it just makes perfect sense. He's among them. And the difference is, he started six years before the earliest thing of that show. So it's like, it's not unusual to say they kicked off that phase of television. But if you think about it, like, the story of the show Cracker is so much more tied to, uh, like, that era of peak TV than you realize. Like, then at first glance, because as we talked about, so the creator of this show, like, well, the guy who adapted it for American television, it's kind of dishonest to call him the creator, because Jimmy McGovern's still alive. But anyway, the guy who developed this for this show, as we've talked about before, did that miniseries, that special miniseries for HBO called Gun, where it was a story where there were four, uh, there were six weeks, and each week was a different story about people, and this gun ended up in one of their hands for some reason, and it was just a complicating factor. And famously, right, the best one, the one that everyone loved, was the one James Gandolfini starred in. It was called, I think, Memorial Day, and it's a really good hour of television. And HBO loved it, and they loved how everyone reacted, and they said to uh, them, do you, and they said to the guy who created the show, do you and James Gandolfini want to do something for HBO? And what the guy went and he found was Cracker. And he said, let's do Cracker for HBO. And, and you got to remember, this is like 1996, Cracker's still on the air, right? Or it's, it's going to be ending, or it has just ended. And he's like, let's do Cracker for HBO. And so James Gandolfini says, I don't want to do, you know, I don't want to do a show where I'm just doing what another guy already did. Right? Where I'm just like doing my version of Robbie Coltrane's portrayal. Like, that's not what I want to do as an actor. And then HBO said, we don't want to do Cracker without James Gandolfini. We want to, and I hate to use this term, be in the James Gandolfini business. Right? And so they go and they say, James Gandolfini, we'll try and find something else for you. And what they find for him is The Sopranos. And then he, and then this guy still, you know, locks himself into doing Cracker. Because he's like, no, I've spent all this time developing Cracker. I'm going to do Cracker. I'll try and sell it somewhere else. And he sells it to Fox. And the thing that I find so crazy is Cracker gets canceled. And then it's, you know, uh, and the last episode airs, uh, so it airs 97, 98. Last episode airs in like March 98. Oh no, January 98. And then two years later, it comes back in uh, on A and E. They run the whole show and they rare uh, run the unaired episodes. And so the last episodes of Cracker first air on television, American Cracker first air on television, just as The Sopranos is about to premiere on HBO in 1999, creating this situation where, in a sense, right. Uh, like it it was it had this tiny overlap where the show that could have been the kickoff for American peak television had to like sit there on the sideline while the show that actually ended up being the kickoff you know went away and I know you can say, well, isn't the real kickoff for American peak television homicide or isn't the kickoff for American peak television Oz and I get why you would say that. But no, like the trend that started with making these shows about quote unquote problematic men 
who suck at their lives but are good at their jobs. That kicked off with The Sopranos, and that's the thing that everybody aped, right? To make the move. And it all, and of course, the part of the thing is cable. Part of it is has to have been on cable. So yeah, that was my really, really long monologue about how this show was right there next to peak television. It almost got there. It was almost part of the story. You know, and I find that really fascinating. But it, you know, because it wasn't very good, it never had the chance to be. Well, all I can say is another, another, another show that Fox botched. <laughs> that is their narrative. Has got they are great show. at botching shows. I mean, we can, we can, we have, and we can go yeah. on, on, and on. And all the shows Fox and has I'll run. Bet you if you talk to the guy who put this together, he would yeah. say the same thing that Josh Whedon says, that yeah. the guy who did um, Action says. Action says, oh, yeah. God, why did we go to Fox? Because Fox, because they made the Faustian deal yep. with Fox. Yeah, exactly. Fox always offered them more money. They offer they offer more money. They have the best development people, and then they have no idea how to sell shows. They no, have I, no idea how to get people to watch shows. You know, so they botch them. They 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 move them around. It was what it's what we used to talk about with Sledgehammer and Mister Belvedere, right? Yeah. They they just kept moving it around and around. That wasn't Fox, but yeah, but that was ABC. But still, it was the same yeah, thing. It was the same sort of thing. You had like shows. You, and you just kept, but for whatever reason you didn't like them. Yeah. I don't know what the rationale was. The reordering, <laughs> the reordering. Fox was all constantly reordering, showing stuff out of order because they're like, oh no, no, you have to, you have to show this episode first. Yeah, but it's like we're moving to the era of television where it matters what order these episodes are in. You can't just throw them around. Yeah, right. It's not I love Lucy. Exactly. You can't just play them wherever, but Fox never understood that. It, Which it is was, kind of, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. How bad they are at this. Uh, oh, yeah. man. Yes. Well, look, and something that interests me, right, when I'm thinking about the show, specifically okay. this show, right, is I think part of the mistake they made, and you can tell me if I'm being too harsh on this, is so when you think about this is uh, the origins of this and where it came from, I honestly think you can make the statement that part of what killed them was he couldn't get James Gandolfini to star in his show, right? James Gandolfini decided he didn't want to do it. And instead of then turning and saying, well, who can I get that would be right for this show? The only thing in his head was who can replace James Gandolfini? Yeah. Because say what you will about Robert Pastorelli, and there's plenty of stuff you can say. He is in this show because he is the poor man's James Gandolfini. I don't think there's any, you know, I don't think there's any reason to deny that. Do you? Oh, no, I. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'll... that's why he's in the show. He's the no, poor man's James Gandolfini. That, no, no, that's why he was hired. That's why they picked him. Because yeah. you look at him, you look at what James Gandolfini does as an actor, you look what he did in The Sopranos, then you look at the, because they, he had reimagined 
fits as James Gandolfini. And that was so locked in his head, instead of saying, well, what else could Fitz be? And the answer is Gary Cole. Instead of thinking of that, he thought, how can I replace losing James Gandolfini? And he tried to find someone who brought exactly what James Gandolfini brought to the part. Yes, but then you needed better writing than you. You see, I think, yes, and there's, there's the flaw. I don't know. Was it when we were, you know, I don't, you, you can't. Yeah. Uh, it, and that's just a flaw. With yeah. The adapter. Yeah. And, and, and he, yeah, that makes the most sense. I it's mean, it's all that makes sense to me. Yeah. And I really wish that they had, I, Maybe it could have been. I don't know why they insisted on adapting so many of the shows. One or two of them they did well. Yep. Weren't too bad. I mean, you can have problems with them, but that's because you're comparing them to the initial. Yeah. But, um, and then some of them were just botched because they couldn't read the original script and figure out what yeah. was important, what had to stay to make it work. Mm-hmm. It was like they were reading these scripts and nobody had sort of the vision or nobody had the ability to and read what was important. And understand what made this work. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, it's like, okay, if you're going to do this, what you have to do is make everybody in the writing room watch Cracker from beginning yeah. to first. And then say, okay, how can we adapt this? I think this yeah. guy had his own idea about what it was supposed to be, and he didn't listen to anybody else. I, I this has yeah. all on what's his name, Spedford, or whatever his name is. Whatever his name was, it, the it guy who created the show, who cr- adapted the show. Yeah, it has to fall on him that he got an e-day fix and yeah. never could let it go and it if he'd had to work with somebody else and envision crackers slightly differently it might have worked mm-hmm. and you might have seen but to who's it always goes back to whose idea was it to take the last yes. episode like if they had taken the last episode and then created an entirely new show episode, yeah basically a whole new show yeah i said it was a daring show it was a it would be a daring choice but at least you gave yourself a clean slate and they could do that as we saw with the three episodes that bear no relationship at all original yeah original absolutely but their weird desire to keep the relationship dynamics the same after in the first episode, they blew up all the relationship dynamics. Do you not see the problem there? And clearly, like, they yeah, they didn't. And it's like, this is the episode that blows up every relationship dynamic in the show. Yep. That you can't go back to normal after this episode, after True Romance, which is why that's when the show ends. Yes. And yet they tried to go back to it anyway. Yeah, you you know you should have anyway never mind the next episode <laughs> should have been judith 
was already leaving. Like yeah. I never understood. They should have had her leaving. They should mm-hmm. have had them. They should have had Fitz kicked out of the house, and she stayed in the house. Yeah. You know, um, it's yeah. like like that would have been smart. That would have been smart. That would she would have then been with all three children. I mean, if they were going to leave her with the baby, then the next episode should have been not a remake yeah. of the pilot of the original Cracker. It should have been an episode that shows the fallout from True, Rom- True Romance. Yeah, but it's it, like it, that never happened. It yeah, it's like that never happened. You should have had all of them, right? You should have had the son having problems. Yeah. You should have had... Um, it's like you know. this dude almost got murdered yes. because and of his dad's, fine. like this woman's obsession with his dad, and it never comes up again. No, and he's fine. Well, he's because fine. it never comes up in the original Cracker, and um, well, well yeah. It never has time to come up in the original <laughs> Cracker because it's the last episode of the show. No, I know we're talking. The next time we see Mark, it's a decade later, and he's got a daughter. He's had his time to get over this. Yes, and that is just fine. Oh yeah. We, but here's, as as I said, here is the the problem. I mean, that's what you have to do. You have to say, okay, so that was the end of the original. Now we're going to see what happened afterwards. Yep. You have to see the son not wanting to talk to his father. You have mm-hmm. to see Judith having kicked him out completely. Yep. And going into um you know, going into divorce proceedings. You have oh, yeah. to see your children, you have to see hope having, you know, being peripheral to all of this. And, and- like ha- having big problems because she's not, you know, uh she's been completely ignored by everyone else's in during everyone else's drama. All of that. All of that. Like, I can see what you could have, like, you, to start. There's a way to do this. Yeah. You're right. And then there, there is the odd, like, you could still have, like, best boys. You could still have the odd one that are no. And then the, the whole Tyler thing is you don't let her, you don't let her be deal. If you want it to be that she had an abortion and it was Fitz's baby. Yeah. And then she tells Fitz, okay, let that happen. Um, because Fitz is technically free anyway. And she doesn't want anything to do with him because he's so irresponsible. Yep. Because she that all works. And that, like, I can see what you could do with the show if you started with true romance, but it would be an entirely different, completely different show, show structure. You would still keep Judith. You would still keep the children, but the problems that were going to happen were going to be different. Tyler would have left, would have sought, would have left the police station, and you would have brought in another woman. Probably. In her place, um, because she's had it with Fitz. You know, you'd have a few episodes of, you know, Fitz because he's left Judith, but he's still so um wrapped up in Judith and the divorce and trying to get back with his wife. And so look at his struggles with alcoholism. Get him to try and stop drinking. Yep. Get him to try and try and stop. And I mean, him. you're right. It is it is possible that they could have done the first episode and blown everything up. 
yeah, blowed and found a way up. to do that because that's what they did. That's what the sh- episode to romance was about. It was about blowing <laughs> everything up and saying we can't do this anymore. Yeah, and you could have started it with that and then done something interesting afterwards. But like you say, you can't just go back to doing the show. You either had to cut all of the blow up this world stuff out of uh, true romance and not have him having already having slept with Penhaligon or Hannah in this case. Right. Or you blow everything up and you keep it blown up and you deal with the outcome. And they did that a tiny bit. But not yeah. the way they needed to. That that would have done it, you know. And then, okay, so have Fitz going to try go to see a shrink. That would have been a riot. Oh God, I would love that. You know, <laughs> I mean, like I I can, I mean, now you can we're see what right. it could be done. Yeah, you can yeah. see the way that this would have been doable. Yeah, and that probably would have caught people, kept people. Yeah. I after can see that because there's probably not a big leg after True Romance to the second one but yeah. i suspect by the second one it's starting to fall off viewers probably yeah it doesn't make any sense and we talked about this when we were talking about all these different episodes so mm-hmm. much of it doesn't make any sense no if if you and that is hard that yep. is hard. and you oh, know totally. you could have you could have done the one with you know maybe you like I can see some of the adaptations could have been done diff if they had been done differently. I mean, oh yeah, they, you know, some way. And, but because you're changing the Judith and Fitz dynamic completely, yeah, you know, and maybe what you need is Fitz to Tyler leaves him, Judith kicks him out completely and keeps the house because that was. <laughs> That yeah, was, it's weird to have her not keeping the house in this version. Yeah, she's got her own job. If she is she is a full-time professor at the university, she's making reasonable money and they bought that house cheap. Yep. You know, and you know, she can just and so then she has problems. She can have problems with the house. Fitz oh, needs yeah. more responsible about the baby. Um there's a whole bunch of different things that they want to get her, get her pregnant again. They can have Fitz, Fitz and her try to, try to patch things up. Oh yeah. We there's ways to do this. With a decent marriage counselor. Yeah. Who flat out tells Fitz, quit gambling, quit drinking, then we'll talk. Yeah. Because as my, as my own therapist for years and years said once at the very beginning, he said, you can't, he said, you can't do anything mm-hmm. until they've stopped drinking. Yeah. And that's it. He he said, you're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. And, um, or, or the drugs or whatever it is. Yeah. Causing the problem, right? That, that is, you get past that, then you can start resolving issues. And but you can, until you get that, you don't have anything. You can't look at the other dynamic. I don't know if I've ever told that story about the one guy who lived in the closet and yeah. was drinking. I probably told it, you know, he, he, he drank. And so he wanted to, he wanted to see me because he'd heard all these things, you know, that I could, you know, all these things that I somehow or another. And I said, well, what do you want to do? He said, well, he said, 
you know, first of all, he told me he didn't have any money, but he went out every night to the bar. And I said, okay, <laughs> you don't go to the bar two nights a week and you pay me. Yeah, um, that's reasonable. Uh, I didn't do that with my people with AIDS, but this guy had a job. He went yeah. out. No, he says, I want to find a way to stay in the closet. I said, I'm not sure you're going to do that. But I said, if Oof. you want to stay in the closet, first thing you got to do is stop drinking and stop going to the bathhouses. Yeah. Said, I mean, it, it's you have to understand how hard some of these things are to to deal with right at the beginning. Uh, he did not become a client, by the way, or <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Your term, well, it, the term is client, uh, but yes, and but you, your terms made that impossible because yeah. he would have had to really work on himself, and that's clearly not what he was ready to do. No, he was. He wanted to stay in the closet. He wanted yeah. to. He wanted to, but he didn't, but he was very, very unhappy. And I said, the only way to stop being unhappy is ultimately you have to stop drinking. You have to work on this and you have to decide. You have to make a decision. Yeah, you have to commit to getting better. Yeah, and you can stay in the closet for the rest of your life if you want to. I don't advise it necessarily. It's not yeah. really a recipe for mental health. Yes, but remember, this is the early 90s. And this I know, I know. Crisis and everything else is going on. And it's it was a different time. And no, no, to be healthy, he had to be who he was. But that is that is so difficult still for people if they do not have a supportive family. And, of course, who is he? Because he's not married. He wasn't right. married or anything. Who is he? Wanting to stay in the closet for, and, yeah. and he doesn't want to lose his family, and they will deny his existence if he, Oof. um, if if he comes out, he of were to come out, yeah. And so, I mean, dealing with that is an enormous, enormous problem. It was hard enough dealing with leaving, sort of the impact that. Essentially, having to leave the religion of my upbringing. Yeah. Right. It took a long time to understand the impact of that and the loss of community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because it is something that you cannot replace. I can remember what that community was like. Yeah. Along, uh, right, right, straight, straight, even straight through in my United Church community, but you lose all of that because you can't go back. And if you come out of the closet and your family is massively fundamentalist, you better have a whole support system. Ready to go, yeah. Ready to go to, to support you in that. You have to have a partner, probably, that is going to, you know, drive you out. So, but you have to. And that is so, so hard. And everybody says, oh, you know, there's case after case after case of people who are afraid of that and who, when they finally tell their parents, their parents go, oh, well, we knew that all the time. We were just waiting for you to tell us. There's that, all of that sort of stuff, right? <laughs> happens. Yes, it does happen. I'm sure. But, but with so many, even today, and just, Okay, go live in Utah and be gay. <laughs> yeah. 
you get, you lose your family, you lose your church, you get de-churched, you get de-fellowship. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. Live in Utah. Well, and- the the thing that always bothers me with the people who are like, oh, well, we always suspect you're getting your way to, uh, you're willing to, you have to be willing to come out in your own time and we're just waiting for you. And I'm like, in a lot of those cases, those people generally could have done a much better job of communicating their okayness. Yes. With people being gay. I find yeah. that to be a pretty big issue a lot of the time. Well, no, I think that, oh, I am not, I am not condoning okay, that good. sort of thing. It's, it's, you know, I mean, as, as, you know, as, as you said once, right, when you were saying, but I don't understand how that guy didn't know he was gay. He was just like Gary. I know. <laughs> That's what you said, right? I no, yeah, because it's like when, there, I mean, and we talk about the gay voice and we talk about the gay mannerisms. <laughs> and it's like, and I was as a child legit puzzled that it's like someone could have the gay accent and have the effeminate mannerisms. And it's just like, and not have any idea they were gay. Like it just, it didn't make sense to me. Yeah, but you were, you know, you were. I, I was, there are ways in which I was sheltered. Well, not shelter. Yeah. Well, no. What from the are... ideas of persecution. That's what yeah. I was sheltered from. The yeah. reality of persecution. The reality of these people, because there was no persecution around me growing up, because yeah. I was living in the most permissive um, environment imaginable, the but... idea of what, like, people living yeah. in a incredibly controlling society, right? Uh, it, it didn't register with me. So I didn't understand that someone would have to live in denial to themselves as well as other people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's very strange, but that didn't it didn't occur to me that that could be a thing as a child because I lived in such a permissive environment. Well, yeah, I don't know why. Yes, that's probably it. It's just yeah. like, yeah, I would say, yeah, I probably didn't understand that. That's a way of explaining some of the things that I've always sort of gone, but I never understood yeah. the problem, mostly because, yeah, in my house, there was no negative. I was never afraid of judgment. No, the negativity was all about things, who, people who weren't Christians, I suppose, <laughs> if anything, but not Jews. Okay, but not Jews. Of course not. <laughs> that was the exceptional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, if someone and just about every person, if you had ever come in contact with a person who was um, of African origin, no matter how far back, well, they were all Christians. Yeah. You know, um, as well. So, yes, the black church was just fine. Oh, totally. Um, in, it, in its own bizarre way. Like, so I didn't see any of that. You could have. I suppose being sheltered, it's both the, the, it's being sheltered by not seeing any of the racialization now. Oh, yeah. When I look, as I've said before, when I look back to high school, I am sure that there were, I, I can pick out now. And the, the men, particularly, and some of the women, um mm-hmm. who would have been what what we would now call right G L 
uh, be LGBT term you're L looking for. IQ. I've seen them now using IQ. Oh yeah. It's it's better to just say queer for the whole community. Yeah, just just say queer for the whole community. Just it's so yeah. it's so much faster. And, and they must have had certainly there must have been persecution of, of one sort or another, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but you if, weren't aware of it. But if you don't see it in your own family, um, you don't, and your own church, which mm -hmm. the United Church was, um, we had sort of an astonishing situation. And I don't even know if I ever heard the word homosexual. God only knows when I first heard that word, because I can't, yeah. don't remember it ever, ever coming up. Yes, there were mm -hmm. people black, but like, they weren't in Sault Ste. Marie, so... Oh yeah, we're in Detroit and Chicago, and the music <laughs> great, you know, and television, television too, um, gave you a distorted. View oh, of course. Of, as I said, anyway, anyway, never mind. Now we're getting off onto other. Things. Yeah, we are uh, because let's face it, we're we're ready to be done with Cracker, which raises the question of what on earth are we gonna do next? So, yeah, yeah, this well, is something we're going to have to do a lot of talking and thinking about. Luckily, we were smart enough to uh, record all of these in a block. Yes. So uh, the episode you're listening to now was recorded at the beginning of June. So we have plenty of time to figure out what we're going to do next. Unlike with uh, Ravenous between the two of these seasons, it's not like I'm going to buffalo her and say, okay, well, we're we're watching Priest next week <laughs> well no i was thinking no i mean it, i mean there's one to potentially watch actually we might watch priest next week now that i say it out loud if it's available you might see priest between this episode season of cracker and the next uh season of what the the first season of whatever it is we're doing next yeah because the the other thing that i've been floating is to do is to do a retrospective of any tv shows we can figure out um deal with how people have no how television has looked at um trans people yeah. Yeah. throughout and, time recently you know throughout recent history well and i was thinking we would start with we would start with that episode of quincy which we keep always talking about yeah and then about how it's like how was there more care taken more care and openness 70s. in quincy in the late yeah. 70s early 80s right the social issues because the beautiful thing about Quincy always was that there were new ways of looking at things. And Quincy had sometimes had an old way of looking at things yeah. and had to be brought around to the new way, which was like the audience. Yeah, it was it very was smart. The social issues that they were dealing with mm -hmm. uh, that were to be teaching experiences like because believe me the one with the trans child does not end happily just like the one in this episode with louise um but that's not the point the point is that when i got to this episode which is at the end of the 90s and i look 20 years earlier and i'm going you would think nothing had changed yeah that's the shocking part right nothing had changed and did Quincy do a better job of explaining the issue? 
than than Luis did. So we've been toying with that, but we have to look. There's a few others. Yeah, there's a few others. Uh, speaking of Quincy, I do really want to do that look at uh, how different um, how different TV shows and movies addressed that time the that famous act of vigilantism. Yeah, okay. Where that guy was bullying a whole town, and finally the town got pissed off and uh, and yeah. murdered him. So, like, there's a Brian Dennehy movie and there's an episode of Quincy that can we watch. And, like, the crazy thing about the Quincy episode is it, like, like came out, what, eight months after the actual murder or something like that? Like, Quincy was on top of it. Well, you know what? I mean, maybe what we need to do during this hiatus that we have, we do have a couple of months here. To Well, no, it's, it's, it's no. like six weeks. Six weeks, yeah. yeah. Six weeks. To think about uh, this. Is that maybe... Um, Quincy should go on my watch list and your and watch. See if, yeah, and we just find some episodes that are going to be interesting to talk about. We've got sort of two that we can definitely talk about. Yeah, either talk about or relate. But there were others. There were. It was a. It was a surprising show. I yeah, think. in I a lot of ways. Although that said, there's literally an episode of Quincy. Uh, that is just Quincy complaining about comedians joking about doing drugs. <laughs> it's just Quincy playing. How dare they? Jo- how dare they joke about doing drugs? Just the dangers that drugs have on our society. Well, uh, and then no, no, but the best part is, and you might think, oh, is this Quincy going to learn a lesson about you know the youth of today? No, uh, the guy who's joking about doing drugs accidentally sets himself on fire while freebasing and has to learn the error of his ways. Well, yeah, well, we all know who that was based well, on. No, we do, except it's a white guy now. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we'll talk I about mean, that later. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, we can do that. Yeah, there might, we might want to take a look at a couple of episodes of Quincy. And honestly... Yeah. Uh, their episode, like, they, there's some bad episode of Quincy. There's ones oh, about, you know, how how dare these punks dance in a way that, you know, hurts people is an episode they have. And, like, there's there's some reactionary episodes. There's some silly episodes. But, like, their one about uh, child molestation. Oh, my God. It's it's really intense. Yes. It gets and, everything so right. And, and this just tells you mm-hmm. that... The society is so freaking stagnant. Yeah, that they, that Quincy was able to do this episode where, that lays it out so clearly. And then for the next 20 years, people were afraid to say it on television. Oh, it, it is, it, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what it was on. Yeah, Quincy is, it, it, it bears. We're going to see how watchable Quincy is and that, 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 you might be hearing about Quincy for the next little while, is what we're we, trying we to say. We might just pick a bunch of episodes and decide whether or not we want to do some of the ones that are very reactionary. Yeah. Um, uh, well, no, and, or some of the ones that are very progressive. Yeah, and the ones that are way ahead of their time, almost. Mm-hmm. And, and um, yeah. Yeah, so anyway. Don't, that, don't be surprised if you hear a lot more about Quincy going forward. But for right now, we're going to wrap this up. And thank you for watching, listening. Uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out, please 
feel free to drop us line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. This is the perfect time to do it because we're, you know, looking for ideas about what to cover. Uh, any questions? So if you're listening to this on an app or podcatcher, please be sure to rate and review it. That's how people find the show. We'll see you back here next week for honestly, probably talking about the priest while we're talking about the movie priest while we're figuring out what to do next. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Thank you.